Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Story Darlings podcast. I am Sandra. And I'm Tara. And today we're doing a super fun episode, but we won't get into that yet. What have you been up to, Tara? So I have been, A, watching the movie for this episode because I'd never seen it before. Which I'm but shocked. I know. We'll get into later why I've never seen this movie. I have been watching, there's a new show on Netflix and it's it's very corny, so don't judge me, but it's called Pretty Smart. It's a house of, I don't want to say dumb people, but like they're like people smart, but like not, like they don't catch on very quickly. And and so it's just a cute little like take on their different smarts. Also, not been doing a whole lot other than that, just kid life. It'll take me into my suite here in a little bit. But what have you been doing? Same. Mom life. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's every week, guys. Every week. Kids rule your life. It really is. And it's like, I only have one. So I don't even know how people like you do with like two, three or more children. I guess October is just a fun month to be a parent because of Halloween. I I got his Halloween costume. It's Yoshi this year. So he has like this giant headset that has like Yoshi's face, like giant on top of his head. And it just snaps like under his chin. So it's really cute. And that has like the little turtle shell saddle looking backpack thing. So he'll have a green shirt on. It'll be super cute. So he's just obsessed with Mario right now. So Yoshi. You are ahead of me. I'm still trying to talk my kids into being like the Scooby gang with Michael as Fred and Justin as the like the criminal or the person that we're trying to capture. And then me as Velma. <laughs> you can see that with my hair and stuff. I and totally is, can. What's her name? Daphne. Daphne. And then our dog Lily is Scooby. I love that. That's going to be really not cute. On board yet. Well, he doesn't have a choice. We are going to get him there. Probably right before Halloween where I have to like rush to get things. Yeah, it's just that age group. I'm not dressing up. I'm excited for Vincent. Yeah, that's all. I haven't been reading, watching, doing anything. I watched this movie with you like same time yesterday and that's it. So let's get into sweet and sours. So I can go first. I have a few sours. So I'm going to I'm going to go through those first. So my first sour is I was walking into my house yesterday and almost stepped on a snake on our sidewalk. Ew. It freaked me out just a little bit. I am not a fan of snakes. Don't like them. I get that they have like an ecological benefit, but they're creepy. Ugh. It was happy not October. a happy, happy moment for me almost, but it was a baby. So it was kind of cute. I don't know. It was just slithery though. So ugh. my other is, and this kind of goes along with our movie choice today, but Michael got his flu shot and all the little kids laughed at him because he cried. And I'm like, you little brat, stop making fun of him. He's eight. Mommy Bear wanted to come out and be mean to those little kids, but I didn't. I didn't. Kids kids are just mean. They're kids. Yeah. They just emulate what they see. And then my sweet is Carly got back from her field trip and she had a lot of fun away from mom and dad for a little while, but had a lot of fun. And I got coins from Virginia somehow. She went to Tennessee on this trip. She brought home gifts for everybody. And my gift was coins from like the Shenandoah National Park. And that's not where she went. And so I was a little confused. You're like, where were you? <laughs> like, I'm like, this is from West Virginia or one of the Virginians. I think it said West Virginia. Don't. Yeah. I might not, I might be that pretty smart where I'm not really smart right now, guys. What about you? Kind of a sweet and sour mix in one is, you know, the whole Bella drama 
my old dog and all that stuff. Did get her to the vet. They checked her out. She, like a miracle, did not have a dislocated foot or broken or sprained paw at all. I wish I had pictures of what her paw looked like because it looked unnatural. It was freaky how far out her claws were and how they were like bent up. So I was very surprised. Literally, it was just they said her paws were super flexible and she was like holding her claws out like so that they wouldn't like hit a the cat ground. does. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So they cut her nails the appropriate length because I have not been cutting them short enough, but then they cut one too short and she bled all over the place, which was my whole thing. Why I wasn't cutting her nails that short because I was scared of that happening. Yeah. That do they look normal now? They do look normal. She is much quieter walking around, but she didn't get blood on the couch. She likes to hop on the couch when no one's home and she got blood on the white couch because you know me, I have to have the most difficult color. Well, and I was about to say, if you know Sandra too, this is like grating on her nerves so bad. Sandra is like the cleanest person in the world (laughs) and everything. Like, I don't, I don't know. I went to your house the first time. I'm like, she has a toddler. Do I? And in her house, not anymore. Like, (laughs) like when you first moved back to Arkansas and like I came to your house you had a toddler and her house was everything in its place I'm like what kind of magic is this that you have everything in your place with a toddler it's just me being a psycho a little neurotic I guess if I want to talk about an actual suite I'm getting my hair cut Ooh, short or just like a little off or I'm gonna get at least a few inches cut off so my, my hair is like constantly getting stuck in the car door or the sunroof or it's getting stuck in the seatbelt and I'm tired of it. So I'm going to get several inches chopped off. So I got my hair cut like a couple of days ago too. I got my bangs. You can't really tell, but I got, I got my hair cut too. I like the color too. That's my normal color. So woohoo. Hair stuff. Minus the grays that are coming in. My children like to point those out. They're super nice and loving and they're like, mom. You have gray streaks in your hair and like, yep. One day they will know. Yep. I keep telling them it's their fault. So leave me alone about it. It is. And just the whole 2020 thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just life. Speaking of crazy life and 2020, let's jump into the episode because I I have so much to talk about with this episode. So hit us with the topic. So we are going to be kind of doing a Halloween centric episode today because we are getting close. As Sandra's mentioned, we have Halloween costumes, all of those things. This one's not a children's movie. It is Jennifer's body. Um, So it is a horror film. And I'll let Sandra tell you a little more about it. Yeah, just for a quick content warning, if you've seen Jennifer's body, you know how inappropriate the language can be and some of the scenes in the movie. So Tara and I are going to be talking very freely about it. So there might be an F-bomb dropped or whatever body part word insert (laughs) here. So just have to give the explicit content warning ahead of time. Mm Mm-hmm. I love Jennifer's Body. I don't know how many times I've watched it over the last 12 years since it's come out. It's one of those movies, the more I watch it, the more I appreciate it and like pick out little nuggets of, um, I don't want to say wisdom, but it's just like it presents things in a way that just makes you rethink 
certain things about society and modern, like just interactions between stereotypical men and women. And I just, I love how that's presented, but back to you. Yeah. It's aged really well. Oh, I think in 2009, it was not appreciated how it should have been. I'm saying this, I don't watch a whole lot of horror movies and I didn't watch this in 2009 because I, I don't know, like I like my true crime, but if it's fake, I can't handle it. Like I get scared and all of that. And so Sandra is the only one who's gotten me to watch horror movies yet in my life. It has aged so well. It's, it's content is, I don't know, more relevant today than I felt in 2009. Yeah, it wasn't even on my radar in a lot of that respect back then. Mm -hmm. I was just different phase of life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Jennifer's Body was written by a woman named Diablo Cody. She wrote Juno, if you've seen that, with Elliot Page. Great movie. Uh, But the script is one of my favorite things about Jennifer's Body. And we'll go into why that is. Jennifer's Body is essentially about two high school best friends Jennifer Check and Anita Needy Lesnicki, and they have been best friends since they were very, very small. The movie doesn't explicitly say this, but you kind of get the feeling that, at least for Jennifer, she grew up with maybe a very harsh childhood. There were like certain scenes as a kid where she was very worried about things getting back to her mom. How she is in high school, it just kind of makes you wonder what happened to her to make her this way. But it's about these two girls, Jennifer and Needy. And Needy has a boyfriend named Chip who has kind of a bigger role in the movie as well. Basically, Jennifer and Needy have a toxic friendship. It's not healthy. Jennifer basically gets Needy to go out with her one night to a bar, a tavern called Melody Lane, because there's this indie rock band called Low Shoulder that she is pining over the lead singer who is played by Adam Brody. Things go to hell. Like literal flaming hell. The bar burns down. Everybody dies. Needy and Jennifer get out of the bar, but Jennifer is kind of in shock. And the rock band also escapes. It's just a very suspicious thing altogether. And long story short, they take off with Jennifer in a van, perform a an occultist sacrifice on her thinking she's a virgin so that they can be a famous rock band. And because Jennifer is not a virgin, things go to the shitter real quick. And Needy has to decide what to do about her friend because she becomes a man-eater, a literal man-eater or a demon or succubus. And it's a very fun movie. So let's talk about it. Again, my first time watching it. So I was going in blind. And at first, my thoughts were that Jennifer seemed stronger than Needy from the very beginning. Like she was pushing her around. And so I was like, has something bad already happened? Or are we getting to that point where something bad is going to happen? But I agree with you. They do not have the best friendship. They're not on equal standing. I feel like Needy is always the one to give. And Jennifer's always the one to take. Mm-hmm. But there was a cute line that Needy said, which is sandbox love never dies. And I thought that that was really cute. And then Jennifer started being mean and tainted sandbox love for me. It's interesting because Jennifer's body came out a few years after Mean Girls did. And so it has a lot of that humor, but takes it to the extreme. But I, it's almost like the 
women and men roles are reversed in this movie. The men are being objectified and stuff. There's like conversation that Jennifer's having in Melody Lane where she's referring to like guys genitalia as like sea cucumbers and stuff, whether they're like <laughs> whether they're circumcised or not. And it's just so highly inappropriate. But she just get she gets away with it. But this is like the type of language that you always heard or watched in other movies kind of around the same time and before it was always the guys objectifying and sexualizing women to the extreme like that and here it was really jarring to have jennifer being that person that strong personality she did not have a filter at all because there was a lot of things that she said that were not pc at all there were some comments about like special ed and things like that. And I'm like, getting a Chinese girl to do your nails. Good grief. Like, no. But then I think it's interesting that you say that she was objectifying the men, which she was. But the whole movie, I think, was pointing out the objectification of women. Like, there was a lot of slut shaming, even in like, the band wanting and needing, and I use quotes on that, needing a virgin to do this sacrifice. And the fact that the Adam Brody, the lead singer of the band is like, you know, she's definitely a virgin. She's one of those that like, you know, acts like she will, but won't or whatever. There was a lot of objectification of women in there too, that I think it just wanted to point out that the shit happens. Yeah. So the writer, Diablo, she went to the University of Iowa. So I can only imagine when she was, you know, in school in, I don't want to say it's the Bible Belt, but it's probably part of it. I'm sure she went to school hearing a lot of this, even what Nikolai, the lead singer of Low Shoulder, calls Jennifer or refers her as, you know, the state fair butters queen. It's like when I think of Iowa, I think of like state mm -hmm. fairs and, far, you know, just a smaller yeah. podunk towns. And that's basically what this movie is set in, a town called Devil's Kettle. Yeah, I agree with you on the sexualization and the objectification of women in this. And I think because the writer, she is openly has feminist ideas and she was trying to like communicate that in the script and I think she did such a fantastic job. Do you want to get into the cast? I know we've mentioned a couple of the characters but and you've mentioned Jennifer. So Jennifer is played by Megan Fox. Love her but around that time was the same time that Transformers, her comments about Michael Bay and the kind of situation that was going on with her being sexualized in that movie. And then this is coming out right as that's blowing up. And if you remember anything about that time, people did not side with her and did not give her the support that she deserved during that time. And then this movie comes out and it's basically kind of saying, hey, this shit happens. And so that's part of the reason it was not well received at the time, I think, because of her being in it and what was going on in her personal life at the time. It's just a, a view of the world at the time, too. Uh, yeah, this movie was supposed to be kind of calling out that behavior at the same time it was happening in the real life of the actress who played it. Yeah, society just wasn't ready to receive it back then. No. But I mean, all of the problems with Michael Bay and mm -hmm. even her co-star with Shia LaBeouf, just the way that he's talked about Megan in interviews too, like referring to her as a unicorn and all this stuff. It's just like purely just external stuff. And mm -hmm. you feel bad for her, but I think she's getting the last laugh now, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is her um, time. And then Amanda Seyfried, or however you say her name, played Needy. I don't know who played Chip. Sorry, I 
don't remember his name. And then Adam Brody, like I said, played the lead singer of Low Shoulder. And then Colin was played. I don't remember. I know. I forget his name, but he's been in a lot of stuff. And that was what I was going to comment on. Both Amanda and the guy who played Colin were in Veronica Mars. My love of Veronica Mars is coming out. And I think (laughs) that that helped this movie for me because I'm like, I know these people. They're completely different than they were in Veronica Mars. But I don't know. It's it's cool seeing people that were a part of your life. Johnny Simmons. I think that's who was Chip, which there's also another actor that played the weird teacher with the hook hand oh, yeah, thing. He's in a lot of things, too. He's in a lot of things. But his name is like Jay something Simmons as well. They have like the he same. He was in Spider-Man. He plays the like reporter dude who hires oh. Spider-Man to catch photos of Spider-Man. Yeah, but he's been in so many things. And then there's Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. Who played a recruit cop cop recruit he was in the academy or whatever he wasn't in it much and i couldn't tell if he died or not oh he totally did right i think i don't know because she mentions later on and when needy says i'm gonna go to the police jennifer's like go for it i've got an in with the police him and i'm like so that means he didn't die yeah she's like like, if you still have an in boinking the, the police department yeah yeah she did make that comment it's such a good movie. There were so many nostalgic elements to it, too. So, like, when Colin is lured to the abandoned house by Jennifer, and there's, like, Akon playing in the background, yes. like, it so took me back to college <laughs> and spring break, Tara. There's just, like, so many, like, certain things that she was wearing, like, little itty-bitty sweaters and the lip gloss and all of this stuff, mm-hmm. the music, it just reminded me at that time like cringingly so and this is gonna sound very weird but the scene where they're about to murder her they start singing the eight six seven five three oh nine like a song i don't know what that one's called but i'm and i'm like singing along and i'm like but they're stabbing this chick to death as we're singing this like very peppy song which i don't know just no it was it was fucked up I'm watching this scene and it's like, it's a catchy song, but she is literally just getting heartlessly stabbed to death. Like there's what, four band members just standing around yeah. her at this random waterfall thing. It was interesting because when I was reading up on just the influences of the movie, there were a couple different things that popped up with the writer, Diablo Cody. So there was like a true crime story that happened on a, a murder of a high school girl in 19... 19- 95 I think the girl was 15 years old and she was murdered by three classmates who Mm -hmm. were in a band called hatred and they thought that murdering her you know as a sacrifice to satan would let their band blow up and like help them get more talented and play better which is basically the plot line of jennifer's body I mentioned that I'm a true crime fan and as I'm watching them a abduct her because that's what they did. She was in shock. They abducted her. As I'm watching them discuss whether or not she's a virgin, as I'm watching them take her to this remote location, I'm like, this actually happens. Creepily enough, there are people who get a joy or whatever out of murdering people. And at first I was like, oh, Adam Brody's character is pretty hot. Like I would have went for that when 2009 was happening. Like, 
you know, he's he's cute. But then he murdered her. And I don't think he's cute anymore in this movie. He just was a psycho. He knew what he was doing was wrong and didn't care. Yeah. He was going to get his like outcome that he wanted. And the sad thing is that happens all the time. Yep. So it's like you think that this script and this whole premise of this movie is very like too outlandish, but it's actually real. Like the story I was referring to, that girl's name was Elise Poller. So that was the girl that was murdered. And these guys, like I think they're serving life sentences now. But if you just look at pictures of them, they're so creepy. So I'm going to try and dig up that article and I'll link it in the show notes. But it's like, this stuff happens. And it was for the reason of sacrificing a girl to Satan so that they could be famous rock stars. Which now that I'm thinking of, I mentioned that I like the true crime, but I don't like horror movies. But maybe that's why I did like this one, because there were aspects that were true. And even so, yeah, this is a bit of horror, but it, there's so much like humor and dark humor mm-hmm. in it. And to me, it's very similar uh, to Supernatural because it balances the funny with the dark. Yeah. Like Jennifer, Jennifer was very snarky. And then Needy became snarky at the end. I'm like, go girl. Like. I was so proud of her. So there was that true crime story, which happened, you know, in the mid 90s, like I said. And then there's also this song called Jennifer's Body by the band Hole, which has Courtney Love. And that song is bizarre. I was listening to that yesterday and it's actually pretty catchy. There's like the chorus when it starts playing, you want to scream along with the chorus. It's that kind of song. I mean, the meaning is up for interpretation, but it's basically like Jennifer's body is kept in pieces, like in a box beside the bed. And I mean, it can be taken so many different ways. It's a really bizarre song. It's really catchy though. So I encourage everyone to just go check it out and listen to it with this movie, keeping that in mind, but it's so good. So there were obviously just so many different influences that Diablo had for this movie. I wanted to circle back on a comment that you made with like these guys having to pick out this virgin to do like a sacrifice. I feel like this movie did such a great job at turning all of these high school movie tropes on their head you know like oh it just nailed it so good they get the supposed virgin who is really just this inappropriate toxic person offer her up as a sacrifice but she comes back to literally prey on all of the guys i just love how that happened i wanted to see her go after the band though i wanted her to go and continue her roadiness and and go after them. Yeah. That's what I wanted to see. And it, it didn't happen the way I wanted it. To. Well, I mean, it did. But eventually, they got they got their just desserts. But, like, that's what I wanted to happen. I wanted her to, like, those be the guys. But she picked, I think she picked, I don't know. All the guys she picked seemed very sweet to me. They seemed like the ones that weren't causing a problem. And she didn't pick the guys that were. She didn't pick, like, the Chris Pratt that was, like, way older than her. But you know, statutory raping her. She didn't pick the ones that were murdering her. She didn't pick the bad guys. She picked the guy that missed his friend. She picked the guy that was somewhat in love with Needy. She picked Needy's boyfriend. And I think she picked a lot of them because of Needy and her toxic relationship with Needy. Yeah, well, there was the the poor innocent Indian exchange student. I know. Like all of these just harmless, just sweet 
guys she preyed on them. it's interesting that you wanted her to exact revenge on low shoulder yeah i i love that needy i like i love her character arc i love how mm-hmm. she went from this meek girl just yes. doing whatever jennifer said to just going batshit crazy i did love the ending i i did love I was very satisfied with what happened in the ending. So I was kind of okay with her not going after them. But there were more bad people in that town, bad guys that had been stereotypical slut shaming or rapists or murderers or whatever. That I feel like the movie was t- a take on fem- feminism. And that would have been better if she went after those guys that yeah. were causing a problem. I One of the things that I really was juggling with was after first off the scene where needy just lets these guys take off with her and the door closes on jennifer just sitting in the van in shock that is such a sad brutal scene that was a Mm -hmm. tough scene to watch like it was just so final like and say okay i wouldn't let any guys take you away thank you like i wouldn't be sitting there letting the door shut on you i'd be like no you Even can't if it have was my friend who's in shock versus four guys. I'm feisty. I'm feisty. Okay. They would be taking both of us. She just kind of sat there on the ground. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about with her arc. She's just like a doormat and she's so meek and powerless in the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie. And the way that she gets her backbone and fixes things and exacts revenge. I appreciated that. But I mean, that whole scene with the door closing on Jennifer like okay needy that's the last time that you saw your actual friend like she's gone and you now. let it happen mm, you didn't do anything yeah like you got her out of the bar but then you didn't like she was obviously in shock she could not function i also found it very funny slash i don't know weird funny that she was trying to convince them that she was a virgin because she thought that that was the way out of it yeah Ugh. and what they actually wanted was her to be a virgin like if she would have just told them no i'm not a virgin they would have let her go and she would have been fine that's a backwards slut shaming too usually it's they're calling you a slut and you know that's a bad thing but in this case being a slut would have been better I'm trying to think of, there was like a scene, I mean, it's during the sacrifice and all this stuff and she's like crying out and then he just starts stabbing her over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Like one, so that, that true crime article I read, those boys stabbed that girl 12 times, like 12 times just stabbed her and the wounds, you know, after the autopsy, they were not life-threatening wounds. So she bled to death and they came back to the scene of the crime and did other stuff to her body. It was just a really just disgusting, makes you sick kind of crime. But the parents, they tried to blame, they were really into the band Slayer. And so Slayer has a lot of lyrics and they were trying to blame the, some song on encouraging them to kill this girl and offer her up to Satan. And so the parents of the murdered girl were suing Slayer. It got thrown out in court. And then they turned around and tried suing the record labels for it. And I'm like, this sounds like some crap that would happen in a small town with just how these families are and how they think about things like who they point the finger at when it no it was it was these boys it was, the boys. It was them you know there's no other excuse for it the end when she busts out of the mental hospital and just mm-hmm. hitches her way over there which I'm going to say one thing. I thought that the dude who was driving up was about to be like a, a sexual offender or like he was going to try and kidnap her or something. And he was going to get a rude awakening because now she has demon powers. Yeah. 
but he didn't. And one of my favorite lines came out of that scene, which is the, yeah, this is going to be their last show. Yeah. She's about to go murder these boys. Yes. I loved that line. Yep. Because he was like, you must be a really big fan. She's like, yeah, this is going to be their last show. I, I love the show. It reminded me almost of like a supernatural trickster episode, what happened with the band. Because yeah, they they carried out this sacrifice to become a famous band. But then it's like they didn't make any deal. Like they didn't set in stone how, how long? long they would be mm-hmm. a famous band. And then they just immediately got murdered within months and she used the same knife that they used. Yes, it that? was in, yes. in Nikolai's character. That knife was left. I loved it. Let, let's talk about our favorite like dialogue because this movie had such amazing one-liners. I, a lot of them were by, I mean, there were a lot of inappropriate ones by Jennifer, but I feel like everyone had some pretty good lines in here. I like a lot of Needy's lines. So I liked the sandbox one. Um, because it just started out and I'm like, oh, this is me and Sandra. I can, I can see this relationship. And then it turned sour. So, you know, it was before I knew all about the toxicness of this relationship. Like her comment about the sandbox love never dies. I liked her comment about, yeah, this is going to be their last show. She was a little badass there. I liked a comment between her and Jennifer where she she was being badass again and she was like I will finish you and Jennifer's like you can barely finish gym class so me right there that, yeah that I is say, that sounds like you I am needy in this moment one of my favorites happened in the very beginning so the way the story is told it's happening in the present tense and needy is in a women's like mental correctional facility she's in solitude because she is a kicker. She's very violent with the staff. And she's talking about, she's just reflecting on what happened to lead up to this moment. And I think the first thing she says is, hell is a teenage girl. And she's referring to Jennifer. And I just like love that line because not even just in the context of this movie, but when you think back to, especially me having a sister, oh my God, when she hit teenage years, my sister- Hell broke loose? yes. She was a hellraiser. Like life was never the same. There was constant drama and all kinds of crap happening constantly. So this hell is a teenage girl. I love that as an opening line. Well, I think I think it can also be taken. It's hell being a teenage girl too. So like just in general, everything about teenage girls is hell. You're growing into your hormones. You have all of these boys and teachers and everybody telling you that pretty much everything you're doing is wrong in some way. Like you can't wear spaghetti straps because the boys will get distracted or you can't wear shorts because the boys will get distracted or, you know, whatever you're going through a period. And I don't know about you, but when you first start that period, like you don't know what the hell's going on. You don't know how to make it stop you. Like I bled through so many times and had to figure out how to get new clothes or whatever. And you're going through all of this at the same time. Girls are being mean to you. Boys are slut shaming you. It's just hell all around. Not even just, you know, the bitchy girl in high school who's just mean, thinks that they're the best and all of that, which is Jennifer, but everything else that's going on is just hell. Oh my God. Yes. I agree wholeheartedly with that. I appreciated that line too. That whole underlying thread of this movie, it was just, uh, it captured that so, so well. I have notes here on favorite 
favorite quotes. Some of them are just like stupid ones that I was laughing more than I probably should have been laughing. But it's like the first exchange between Jennifer and Needy in school at Needy's locker. And Jennifer just kind of prances up, you know, in her little tight outfit. And she's just like, hey, Monistat. And Needy's like, what's up, Badgesil? It's just like, I love those little quips between them. I also, and this is kind of a, I don't know, it's a dark take on a very funny line, but it's when Chip and Needy are talking about Jennifer being taken and Needy is trying to figure out what to do. And so she's telling him and he's like, well, what kind of car was it? And she's like, I don't know. An 89 rapist. Like, I don't know. It's like, stop asking stupid fucking questions, Chip. A friend was abducted me. and yeah, like do something. Stop asking all of these questions. In real life, that is important information to have. But I just like how quick she came back with like, I don't know. But like he didn't have the social observation to know that that's not what she was looking for from you. That's not the kind of response that she was looking for. That's not what she needed from you. But poor Chip. Poor, poor Chip. Poor Chip. R.I.P. I, I loved Chip. Like... Although he did get on my nerves when he went with Jennifer. Like he just took her word that she was cheating on him. He lost some of my like favor points right there. One of the thoughts I was trying to have earlier, and then I completely got diverted on another track is, okay, so I juggled a lot with whether Jennifer was actually Jennifer or if she was mostly the demon inside of her because she still retained a lot of the relational things with Needy Mm -hmm. and Chip and still had all of that. And she still seemed to have a sense of right or wrong. Like when she was describing to Needy what happened, they were both sitting in the bed and she was Mm -hmm. describing that horrible thing that took place. And she was talking about being so hungry. And when she ate that chicken out of the fridge and then she was vomiting just because it, you know, it wasn't what she needed. Yeah. So she was struggling with these things. Me, I'm trying to figure out whether that first night when all this happened to her and she's just kind of stumbling around the street, how much of Jennifer was there? Was she slowly becoming more succubus, more demon? Like what was going on? I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, you're correct. It seemed like she was more human that first night and lost her humanity as time went on. Yeah. There was a line that really struck me and it made me so sad for her. She says, I think she was talking to Needy, maybe, but she goes, I feel so empty inside. And this is after she's gorging herself on guys and all of this stuff. And she's getting all glowy and beautiful after eating these men and just kind of being, you know, the top of her game in school. And then she has that line. She's just like, I'm so, I feel so empty inside. And then there's that scene where she's sitting, putting on makeup and she's just like wiping the makeup on and crying. And I'm just like, I felt so bad for her because it was such a relatable scene. How many times as a woman have you felt like shit and you just feel like you're literally putting a mask on to make yourself look happy and like everything is fine in it. Oh, that one hurt. (laughs) And I wonder if that would have been the same. I'm, I'm assuming it would have had some truth in it even before she became a succubus. Yes. I feel like Jennifer as a person, even before the horrific things that happened to her, felt empty. And that's why she lashed out. And that's why she had to be the the pretty face or the yeah all of those. I have a feeling she felt empty inside before that. Well, it's just how she treated Needy and the relationship mm-hmm. is just 
a lot of people are asking or wondering why Jennifer, someone like Jennifer would even keep someone like Needy around her. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, did she do it just to make herself feel better about herself because Needy was such a weak person, like couldn't stand up for herself. I feel like Jennifer kept Needy around to somehow elevate herself. And I think Needy actually has some dialogue with Jennifer, like in that regard, uh, you know, calling Jennifer out about that. I think um, Jennifer probably felt bad about herself and keeping somebody that she could feel worse about around made her feel better about herself. It's the quintessential teenage girl drag somebody else down so that you can feel better about yourself. And I mean, really just the world, like how many people do you see on Twitter or Facebook or whatever that feel the need to drag somebody else down to make themselves feel better? Especially in the last year when everyone's been isolated and just being on social media more, I feel like it was way more noticeable. Mm -hmm. For Needy, I think, I believe she recognized all of this turmoil within Jennifer, like knew that Jennifer was struggling with her self-confidence and value in herself. And I think Needy felt an obligation as her longest friend, her best friend to stick around and be that source of strength and that support system for Jennifer, even though it was not healthy for Needy at all. Which, by the way, and this is a part that I did not get in the movie, So when Jennifer and Needy are fighting at the end, Needy pulls off her BFF necklace. And it seemed to me that something happened there. Either Jennifer gave up, like real Jennifer, human Jennifer gave up, or that was a talisman for power for the demon or something. Because right after that, Needy got the upper hand. So do you know what happened there? I'm trying to think back to what I thought like the first time I watched it. But I think... The first response that you just said, I think that's it. I think that Jennifer was somewhere inside, you know, battling with this demon because we do get flashes of like Mm -hmm. a good Jennifer and then just purely bad Jennifer. And it it was like that necklace being ripped off was just a symbol of needy giving up on her. Needy is like done. Needy recognizes that this is not her Jennifer, the little girl that she grew up with anymore. And why am I doing this to myself? Why am I jeopardizing everybody in my life for this evil demon? Mm -hmm. Like my friend is not in there anymore and I'm done. And I think this was this before or after the bite. I can't remember. It was after, but I can't remember. either. Yeah. Which that's cool that you can get powers getting bit. I'm not sure that I would want to be bit by a demon to get powers. Let's not give anybody any ideas right now. (laughs) But she did have super strength and could like levitate. Levitate. Yeah. Awesome. Well, and that's another funny line from the movie because she levitates as she's attacking Chip and Chip gets distracted as he's being murdered by the fact that she can fly in his words. And Needy's like, it's levitation, chill a little bit. Like, because he's, he's, you know, just thinking it's really cool. And she's like, she's trying to murder you. And it's not that cool. She's just floating. Yeah, poor Chip. I, there were like, I went so back and forth with him because there were certain things that he would say and I would just be like, really, dude? So like when Needy is describing how, she needs to get ready to go out with Jennifer, but she can't wear this because like Jennifer always has to be the one that looks better. And if you like show Mm -hmm. your breasts, like it's not going to (laughs) be, it's not going to turn out well. So she decides to cover up, you know, cover up the tatas 
And then she has like her midriff showing and wearing mm-hmm. some really low rider jeans because back in the day, low rider jeans were all the were rage. The yeah. Where you bent over and your like thong is like showing in the back. Well, the, the tramp stamp had to show too, <laughs> the tramp, which is yeah. not a like a, an okay term, but that's yeah. what it was called. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's getting ready for this girls night out with Jennifer, the Jennifer show. And Chip just looks at Needy and he's like, I can see your womb. Like, what the fuck is that? Like, womb? Really? Well, see, and I misheard that completely because I thought he said wound. And I was like, wound from what? I no. am so confused. I It never registered with me before. But when I was watching it yesterday, I was like, huh, he just said womb. Like, she is purely a baby-making machine. Well, and I, like I said, I he lost points with me when... Jennifer basically told him, oh, you know, the reason she's so upset that Colin died, Colin died, you murdered him. Okay, let's be honest here. But the reason she was so upset was because she was sleeping with him. And Chip, being an idiot, who's been (laughs) dating this chick for a while, is like, "Mm, sounds plausible. I'm going to I'm going to get with her best friend then. That's that's the way we're going to work this situation. Seems plausible. She was sleeping with this other dude. So... I'm free to 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 get with Jennifer. Yeah. And goes off. So I was like, you know what? You deserved it, dude. Like, you're dumb. Go be Cat's dumb head. together. Bye. <laughs> I think that was the genius of Jennifer's character, though. Like, she knows what people are really self-conscious about, and she preys mm-hmm. on that. So she well, knew he was insecure about Colin because Colin has just randomly approached Needy in the past and is like, mm-hmm you know, kind of bashful and cute about just how he interacts with her. Cause he obviously has a crush on Nadie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Chip was so insecure about it. Jennifer knew and she preyed on that. She was like a well, master I manipulator think, in that sense. I, like, Yeah. I think she was a master manipulator and I think she got so good at it because she hid her insecurities. Mm, yes. And so she was very good at seeing other people's. I don't know if you're anything yeah. like me, but like, I have an insecurity about my teeth. And so every single time I look at people's teeth, that's what I notice because that's my insecurity. And so I think she had all of these insecurities from her childhood or just her need to be the best. Yeah. And because of that, she could see everybody else for theirs. This movie it just does such a good job at showing what life is like for teenage girls. And I was reading up on more about the prep work that went into Megan Fox doing this role like the writer when she wrote the role of Jennifer she had in mind Megan Fox like did not want anyone else like it had to be Megan just because of who Megan was at the time like you were talking about earlier with Mm -hmm. the Transformers franchise and all of that stuff and then for the role Megan lost weight down to 97 pounds to be this role yeah and it's like how tall is Megan ah she's She's got to be like 5'3", five, 5'4". Five, She's not that tall. Okay. Okay. I was like, 97 pounds is very, yeah, very if she was taller, little yeah. amount of weight yeah. if she were a little taller. Yeah. But it's like, she just went all out getting prepared for this role. Like, okay, what is a girl going to worry about and obsess over at this age because of mm-hmm. all of the external signals being thrown at her on what she should be and what she should look like? I did like how... Megan got to pick 
the outfits that she wore too for the role. So she like made a conscious effort to pick like children's section, like little girls section jackets and sweaters to wear just because this is the type of stuff in a lot of men's minds at the time, just how they sexualize girls and just like Mm -hmm. the whole baby doll type of thing. Which is very gross. Yeah. Like, no, like you said, this movie has aged so well and it, i think it's like finally hitting its stride here 2021 i i think if it were put out in 2021 it would be a huge success yeah speaking of which megan is open to doing a tv series so i know fingers, guys because i don't know how they would bring megan's character back because she obviously died like i feel like they could make something happen like she was a demon so maybe like didn't get all the way dead i don't know i mean i would be down for them to just redo it i feel like megan fox has not aged a day whatsoever so she could easily no. just like do it again <laughs> she's like she just looks the best that she's ever looked in her life now yeah like, i think that that comes from her being happy in person yeah too, but. yeah it's amazing what being with a, a different romantic partner takes some years and off also you. money she can go to the gym whenever she wants <laughs> She has a name. But can't anyone can't anyone go to the gym or do a workout at home? I mean, you can do one at home, yes, but she also has but yes, the all money the money to eat healthy. She has all the money to like hire somebody to be like, you should be doing this exercise because I'll tell you, I do exercises and they do not do what I think that they are going to do. <laughs> and then I get Pull demotivated. Something. I'm like, well, I didn't gain abs in ten days, so. Aww. Sarah. Obviously, it's not working. <laughs> what did you think of, like, there was always this weird sexual tension between Jennifer and Needy. What do you think that I was I don't think about? that there was tension in the one scene where they start making out. Like, I think that that oh, was no, it past the it level of over. tension. Yeah. There were also a lot of comments about lesbians as, like, a negative thing in the movie. So that did I mean, it aged well, but it didn't because there are still people who are like that. I don't know. I think Meaty did have a crush on her. It, there was something. And I think that that was where Jennifer was playing her. Yeah. She I mean, was pulling that in when she needed to, to get her distracted. True. Needy was almost like this defender for Jennifer. Like she was mm-hmm. always coming to her aid. Just anytime someone would start talking smack about Jennifer, Needy would just speak up about it and just kind of be there. It also could just go back to this thing of like, when you're a teenage girl, you literally are just figuring out who you are. You don't know. There are lots of hormones too. Yeah. Like... It could be that too. Well, do you want to read the tweet? Oh, yeah. We've been talking about theme already when we pull it up here. So Tessa, who we went to high school with, she is on Twitter. Her handle is at Isleen Moore. She said, Jennifer's Body is an underrated film on the male gaze and female empowerment, which I think that pretty much captures it perfectly mm-hmm. what the movie is about even though it's demonic empowerment <laughs> too yeah i think it was meant to show that when a woman isn't held back by everything else going on yeah she can be powerful i'm, I'm like still looking at quotes that made me chuckle <laughs> there were so many in the bar so she was like oh oh okay there's one that I need to talk about because this movie came out September 2009. So about eight years after September 11th. 9-11. Yes. So they're in the bar. 
And Jennifer, you know, she's underage. She's like, what, 16 or something around there. Mm -hmm. She's just like, she's trying to get on the band's good side. So she's like, I'm going to get them drinks. And Needy's like, how are you going to get alcohol? And she was like, I'll just play Hello Titty with the bartender. And it, it made me chuckle because, A, I mean hello titty but it's a playoff of like hello kitty i was obsessed with hello kitty growing up i had like mm-hmm. the hello kitty binder and notebooks and pencils and pens and all of that crap like i was obsessed with hello kitty so it was just that that kind of nostalgic moment that's what i thought of but she comes back here's the dark humor part she comes back with shots which are the red white and blue towers and there was one that was like considerably like less than the other one she goes oh one towel isn't full enough. And it w- and then she just like sets the tray down. And so, I, <laughs> I didn't get that one until yeah. just now. But did you, the, the worst one, I think with that is she said, if you leave them standing for too long, they turn brown. Yeah. Yeah. That one was the dark one I thought you were going to because she like alluded to them falling and turning to rubble. No, Diablo didn't pull any punches with this. And just like just yeah. her name. I love her name. And just the fact that she wrote the script. I mean, there was another quote when Needy is just being a, a little more subdued about a situation. And we were talking about this one earlier. And Jennifer's just like, they're just boys, morsels. We have all the power. These things. And she's like grabbing Needy's breasts and just like squeezing them. Um, yeah, point them in the right direction and shit gets real. You know, they're smart bombs. I love that comment. It's like she's trying to say that you have more power than you think you have. Yeah. Even though they're treating you bad, but you have more power. This, yeah. Oh, so it's like Jennifer, obviously, is a character. She was very, very flawed and she struggled with her own internal value and her perception of herself. But she at least knew the kind of power she wielded over Mm -hmm. mere men, which was something that Needy did not. And so Jennifer was slowly like teaching that and passing it on to Needy as the movie went on, I feel like, because Jennifer Mm -hmm. always had like a good grasp of that. Now, in the beginning, when she gets taken advantage of by the band members, she's an obvious shock. Yeah. Which, but... Would she have went even if she wasn't in shock? Because it seemed like she was really into it. I don't prior know. Prior to the fire. Like, we'll never know. You just never know whether even or not if... she would have actually went, even if she wasn't in shock. Yeah. Even the fire. Like, so they caused it, right? They did something with the I wiring. Don't I don't know. It, it seemed, it felt like a very it paranormal implied, yes. type of thing. But yeah. Yeah. And I was a little confused from the beginning because I was like, like I said, Jennifer seemed stronger. So did she already have something going on? Did she cause the fire? Oh, when she like shoved her into the locker that scene? Like, and then when she like shook her hand or was holding her hand and then let go, like Needy had white marks from how strong she was holding onto her hand. Or was that more like an interpretation of Jennifer needed Needy? So she was holding on tight. Yeah. Like, you don't know. Was it more the like sinister thing or was it Mm -hmm. more like she needed her and then just the name needy like needy was needy she was (laughs) this is not (laughs) a healthy relationship guys a friendship (laughs) and i'm just like it was so destructive yeah they had such like a a parasitic relationship it was not good 
I'm so glad we weren't that way. Although you did call me a nerd earlier, so. It was lovingly. Rude. (laughs) Well, final takes. Oh, one thing I did want to kind of touch on before we ended this was this whole like Christianity aspect that was woven out like throughout it. It's like you have the band member that's trying to, you know, serve Satan to get what they want. And then obviously with the school, like you can only imagine that they would be mostly Christian families and stuff, especially wherever they are in Devil's Kettle. But it's Mm -hmm. like even I don't know if this was intended or not with the writer of the movie, but her initials being JC, like Jesus Christ. And there's so many moments where on screen, Jennifer is like in a cross uh, motion, like when she's hovering over the bed, there's like different, a couple different scenes where she's like arms Mm -hmm. out crucifix style. Well, so I didn't notice the JC, but if you remember, Needy's mom had the nightmare or night terror that she called him. And in the night terror, needy was the one being put on a cross Mm, oh yeah yeah and then she was on a cross when she was murdering jennifer because jennifer was laid out like this yeah and needy was on a cross that's it yeah that's a good call out yep yeah there was definitely some of that going on there was some subliminal Mm -hmm. messaging or imagery i guess i just want to like finish up with like the fact that needy killed her best friend or maybe it wasn't her best friend anymore who knows i mean by the end it looked like it was jennifer having the reaction like oh my god he just ripped our bff my bff necklace off Mm -hmm. but she stabs jennifer with a box cutter and i'm thinking of this song because it talks about the box you know jennifer's body Mm -hmm. and pieces in the box but then the comment that jennifer had made is like i feel so empty inside like she is a box and she just made such a big deal of like stabbing her with this box cutter. It was almost like likening her to just say right after that. She said something and I didn't get it. She asked something about like my heart or something. (laughs) Yeah. She, she said, ouch, my tit or something like that. She she was like, like, it's always, it always comes back to the tatas with Jennifer. Okay. She's like, ouch, my tit. Yeah. Which brings us segue to our charity october is breast cancer awareness month so we thought we would do something in lines with that but also something that's very near and dear to my heart which is actually where jennifer was stabbed we're going to do a relay for life boone county relay for life which is where i'm from this is my team that i'm on we are also it's it's very close to my heart my father-in-law died a year ago yesterday my dad died of cancer. And so that's going to be our charity today because Jennifer was a breast person. She was a breast person. Um, she she thought very highly of that, that area on her body. The breasts are powerful, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that is what we are going to link for you guys. Feel free to yeah. donate, look it up be more aware of what's going on in that. I'm sure everybody is aware of breast cancer at this point, but it is something that affects a lot of people. Yep. I love that you kept that one local. All right. Well, I think we've pretty much said all there is to say. I I mean, I could probably go on gushing about this movie (laughs) or Megan Fox or anything of that nature, but 
we'll go ahead and shut it down now. Don't forget to comment, do our polls on Twitter. Twitter, all of the social is just at Story Darlings. If you want to send us an email about things you want to hear about, send it to us at storydarlings at gmail and let us know. Yeah. If you're listening what to you this think? on Apple Podcasts, we'd love to get a rating or a view if you have a little bit more time. But any way that you support, it means a lot and it helps. So, all right. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed talking about Jennifer's body and have a, I mean, Halloween, by the time this comes out, it's going to be six days away away or something. something. Yeah. Yep. So happy Halloween. Halloween. Yay. Okay. Bye. Bye.